podcast you and your entirety are welcome here no matter who you are where you're from or what you've been through on the bridge to branches podcast we believe every mental health experience is valid and has power if you are tending to your mental health you are smart and brave if life is a tree mental health is the bridge from the roots to the branches connecting where we've been and what we've been through to its impact on the world spanning outwards Mental health is the bridge to your destiny in this world. Join us in talking about it. Hi, my name is Alex. And my name is Ariel, and we are the hosts of the Bridge to Branches podcast. We've both been on nuanced mental health journeys, which are always continuing. Our stories are a part of this project, and have found a safe home here. We hope that you and your story find a home here, too. If you are interested in being on the podcast, please reach out to us at bridge to branches podcast at gmail.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Listen for a special guided meditation led by Marta at the end of this exchange. Content warning for this episode. In this episode, we discuss the topic of suicide, psychosis, addiction, and the use of medications and their side effects. I just like to ask a question, just kind of about your just identity in general, how you identify. identify. So I'll ask the question, who are you? How do you identify the being? Yeah, so... From the basics, uh, I'm originally from Poland. Um, I live in Germany, mm, at least officially, because practi- I mean, yeah, I do live in Germany, but I travel a lot. So basically, traveling has been my way of therapy for like seven years now. Um, but half of the year, I have to spend in Germany for legal purposes. So the the other half of the year travel. Um, yeah, I identify as a woman, white woman. Um, I'm bisexual, bi-romantic. Actually, I prefer the, the second one. Um, yeah, my uh, cultural heritage. Um, I really, really love my cultural heritage as a Polish person, but um, the one that gets to the roots of the Slavic people, of the Slavs and the Vikings. And uh, I really, really identify with this distant past uh, because we are still very close to nature and spirits and herbalism. And this is what I love. And 
what I do, actually like half of my hair is dreadlocked and this is also like my little tribute to the, the, the ancient shamans of the Slavs and Vikings that they were always dreading their hair. So uh, yeah, I love that part. I love that part of, uh, of my culture. Not so much modern history <laughs> and uh, like the current state of the first but the ancient times, shamans and Vikings and nature and spirits very much yeah. uh, my pronouns my preferred pronouns are she and her i'm 34 i'm going 35 soon in august um and i'm a hypnotherapist uh i work with uh, quantum healing as a quantum healing facilitator i prefer to call it facilitator because it's like people really heal themselves. Then I work a lot with the belief work. And I'm currently also doing Dolores Cannon uh, internship as uh, as her, um, as, as this particular qualification. It's, it's, it's always been my dream and I thought like, I would like to take a bit of it, of this as well. I'm also a social, social entrepreneur, I would say, because I do a lot of work with uh, mental health advocacy. I started uh, before I had the project My Beautiful Schizophrenic Life. I work with a lot of artists uh, with mental health diagnosis and uh, I organize different exhibitions and now I'm working towards uh, actually having a printed version, coffee table editions of the work that will be distributed around the countries as I travel in different places like bars and restaurants and any places uh, where people have actual conversations to bring it in um, as a part of daily conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I have so many questions. Um, I guess I'm interested first in just your identity, um, your cultural identity that you've named, um, how does that, like your Slavic heritage, and it sounds like you have a lot of um, reverence kind of for your ancestors and your, your heritage. And I'm curious how that, if any, in any way has weaved into your, uh, your view and your response to your own mental health. If, if there's a connection there. I guess so. Um, maybe not so much directly, but I, in general, the way my mom was bringing us up was through herbalism and natural healing. So um, I'm very resistant to any artificial uh, substances like medication and so on. So in a way, when I was diagnosed and I was put on medication, I almost died because of that. Well, basically, my body was refusing any any kind of medication, not only antipsychotic medication, but just any kind of medication. And I was just put on more and more medication and so on until it got me to the point that I wanted to end my life because of the side effects of the medication. And uh, that that decision to end my life, which I wanted to do in a different country than my own, because I didn't want, I, I wanted uh, I wanted people like my family to think it was an accident, 
uh, during traveling. So it's changed my life, obviously. <laughs> it's been seven years, you know, since I left with that purpose in mind. And it wouldn't have happened, you know, if it hadn't been for this herbalism. And, uh, you know, the passion and the, 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 the cultural heritage of my mom as well. My mom is more from the East, we're more from the East. So it's even stronger there. And uh, yeah, so it was, you know, not directly, but definitely. And then I, I, I did, I wasn't really um, so much attached to it during my recovery. I didn't think about it. Um, I didn't have kind of emotional time to think about it because of the symptoms and so on. Uh, but uh, yeah, since I've recovered and I have uh, now the, the, like my mind is focused now on actual healing of, the, you know, like emotional healing or trauma healing that I couldn't do before because of the symptoms, uh, I'm coming back to it and, and I feel the connection and gratitude for that because um, I don't know what would have happened if I responded to medication and if maybe I would have decided to stay on it and I wouldn't go so deep. I wouldn't have to go so deep and look for alternate, alternative methods of healing to actually find my way. And I, I, I think that's just the perfect way. I'm very happy with the way I found. Well, I'm really excited to meet you and like, you know, start to hear about everything that you have been through and everything that you're doing now. Um, especially excited about the quantum healing piece and the Dolores Cannon training. Um, I personally really connect to what you were saying about medication and I'm really happy you brought that up. Um, I had similar, not exactly the same, but like I had an experience with when I was on medication where I felt like my symptoms were increasing like with depression and yeah. I, would, I would gain weight and I would feel more depressed because of it and then I would drink more um, and just it was a combination that I felt like the medication was working against me in some ways. Um, I think like to move forward in our conversation right now, do we want to ask like more about her story from the past? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good flow, I think. Um, I wanna add though, just quickly about the medication piece that I really also, I have been diagnosed as bipolar and I take lithium and I've long believed throughout this process, I should say that this is like part of a more systemic issue and this medication is treating a symptom of it. So it's like, it's like um, you know, delaying or um, or pressing, you know, pushing away the symptoms of paranoia and the things that I experienced, but there's still, there's something, there's like some root issue that still is like growing within me. I think that I yeah. think the herbs and, you know, alternative, they, it's considered alternative medicine, but of course. Yeah, like, I also, yeah, I know, I don't like that word either. Holistic <laughs> like medications or medicines um, might have a better chance of really treating or plant medicines or all these things. Mm -hmm. So I totally relate to, to that as well. And I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. And I love how you said that because you went to that place and like, thank you for sharing about the part about your decision to take your life in another country. 
that's so unique and um i we appreciate you sharing that piece yeah it's really vulnerable um and just the idea that like because you went to this place it invited you to look for these alternative ways of forms of healing. Yeah, totally. Like, so that's definitely something we'll get more into later because it sounds very much like connected to the work you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally, even during my like the deepest, darkest times, I always felt connected. And uh, I knew that I was that I was guided, you know, even even when I had those thoughts uh, about ending my life, it was still not like, it's not like I had voices that were telling me to take my own life. I don't want anyone to think that now I'm like confusing paranoia or, or hearing voices with some kind of guidance or spiritual experience. But I know because I, I've met a lot of people like myself that can, and I still do, I, also, when, when I when I do the healing work, that they can tell exactly what psychosis is, and what actually what actual experience like again those words and labels like psychic or spiritual whatever you want to call it. On that, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to use the right words because they are also loaded with different biases, and everyone has their own like idea what they mean about, uh, yep, <laughs> just wanted to say, just wanted to say that. Yeah, we've had, we're always in dialogue about labeling, you know, the idea of a label or a diagnosis and, and, and what that means and how packed that is with what people think yeah. about what it means. So thank you for bringing that up as well, because that's definitely something that we are always keeping our attention on and with this project especially it's interesting how mental health terms can trigger um sharp declines in mental health right so it's like we use a term like even the term schizophrenic can trigger something in certain people and it's it's meant yeah. to describe a condition and it's it should be like this gentle thing like um I mean, I can plug Jacob really quick. We we interviewed a, a person named Jacob in the first season who um, has sacred frenia, and he's changing the word. He's he's he talks about changing the language of words. I don't know if you are familiar with Jacob. Yeah, I, yeah, I know Jacob. Actually, we've even chatted once uh, over Skype. Wow, nice. Because, yeah, we, yeah, because we've been following each other for a, like long time, and once uh, like we decided, hey, like I think we should. He, he texted me like, I think we should actually have a chat, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah, so, yeah, beautiful. So is, is there anything, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing that you two have met. Um, is there anything more that you would like to share with us now about your personal experience from the past? just like your just your story in general we'd love to hear kind of how you got to um where you are mm -hmm. in terms of your mental health and your your general yeah yeah so i think that the very beginning would be pretty much in my childhood when i was i had a lot of this experiences of like feeling this really deep connection and already like kind of depression i have memories since like i was from the time when I was like born in, you know, the first 
maybe three, four years of my life, and it got a bit uh, blurry, but emotional memories and uh, a few images as well. So I felt this, uh, I felt so bad. I, I felt so abandoned, but I also had, uh, I was seeing some things and also some people and, and also um, colors like uh, formations of energies and they were all nice. The people and the beings that I, w I was seeing, they, they were quite neutral. Like I never communicated with them, they were just showing up and disappearing. But the energies, I, I uh, yeah, I, I loved them very much. Like they were like taking care of me, kind of. Um, and uh, like, of course, it's very distant. And uh, I wouldn't say that it was like an onset of an schizophrenia. I would say that I was just still like very sensitive and open to that. And uh, fortunately, my mom was just, you know, like just making kind of a, you know, loving fun of it, because I, I don't think it's good to take your four-year-old who sees things to the doctor. So then they disappeared, but uh, I was growing up in a very negative environment. So there was a lot of um, verbal violence and a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And I had this unexplained fear of being abandoned all the time, uh, like paralyzing. And um, even though I like never was since birth, but I was just so, so scared and it was so painful that it was just uh, running my day to day when I was like one, two, three, four years old up to, I think I was eight or nine. And so all of this, as I see it now, and as I was like, told or made realize during my meditations and during my own healings that, uh, and it's also, it sounds quite logical to me that it turned my, what, what I, with the energy that I was attracting, because I was so open. I was talking to my guardian angel. I was, you know, communicating with those energies that I was seeing. I was, um, talking to, God in a way, but it's not the God that um, to to the source. I would maybe say would rather use the word source because it's not like the God that is presented in the Bible so much. So um, and 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 then so so I was so open and and then as I was only or constantly experiencing fear and fear. I think this is where it all turned and I started attracting then the wrong thing. And uh, so it was, it was just gradually going down and out. And I started being interested in very dark things like Satanism and uh, and uh, drugs and drinking and uh, and like sex and some rituals, uh, including like um, amateur but still like Satan related um, activities. I would say. Uh, when I was a very young teenager. And uh, yeah, and then when I was, uh, just to cut the long story short, that when I was 21, like it, I got hit with, with the voices actually, like with the actual voice that I started hearing. I had no idea what was going on. And I was actually very, very happy to be diagnosed after some time. I don't understand why it took so long, even I think a year or so to diagnose me. 
And uh, yeah, so I was very happy actually to be put on medication. And first I was diagnosed with bipolar as well. Then they changed it. After my reaction to some medication that they gave me for bipolar, I can't remember what they gave me and it doesn't matter. But after my reaction to that, they actually got scared. They said, no, it's, it's, it's schizophrenia. And yeah, but then uh, the, the first like uh, two or three months, I was just so happy that I was put on medication and that actually and I was so happy to know that I wasn't alone. I think this is very important to share. Um, and I always encourage everyone to go actually and get their diagnosis too. Um, and then to proceed like from that point. Right. It's uh, I, I, I'm very happy that I got diagnosed and this comes to like because some people uh, ask like how come like why do you talk about psychosis or schizophrenia and still you do like this quantum healing and you do energy work and just to make it clear it's that I don't really see the separation between different um, let's say like planes of existence so even this like the second plane when we have medication and herbs and everything. Um, I still acknowledge it. And uh, so at that time when I was diagnosed, I was definitely 100% in the 3D plane. So there was no spirituality for me whatsoever. I was still connected and uh, I was talking to my guardian angel, but it was just so normal for me, like because I've been doing it since I was a child. Uh, that I, I wasn't diving into anything spiritual. I wasn't looking for any energy. I, actually, I would just run away if anyone even mentioned any energy work because it was just so triggering for me. And uh, so I was very much in this 3D plane. And what and and I and I believe that the the best path to recovery or, or the way is to take the path that resonates with us, where we are. You, you can't really take someone who is has a completely um, like 3D mind, like scientific mind without any openness to energy work. You can't take this person to a shaman. I mean, you can, but it's, it's, just, it's just too kind of scratchy. I mean, everyone has their own way. Everyone has their own spirituality. So this is why I talk about psychosis and schizophrenia because when at the point where we can't see it in a different way this is what it is and it needs um, its procedure on the plane where it exists doesn't make sense <laughs> I'm getting a bit too you know like I needed a I needed like a, a, a therapist like a down-to-earth therapist back then and a good psychiatrist to actually ground back then when I was ready then I started, uh, I started energy healing and I started looking into it uh, through meditation and so on. But you need to, you just, everyone needs their own pace, in my opinion, to follow that. So what for someone can be like a, a, a dark night of the soul and uh, a way to go through it with the mind and with energy. For others, it's a psychiatric diagnosis. And also sometimes it's just, uh, not just, but um, sometimes it's uh, a hormonal imbalance. Sometimes it's malnutrition, sometimes it's a tumor. So it also needs a different kind of attention, right? Like there are those different angles that we can approach uh, a, a 
whatever kind of illness, right? So medication and herbs, they also have their own energy on their own level and they resonate with the condition in their own level. I wouldn't like discard or disregard any of the planes that we are living on. And uh, yeah, um, I think I digressed a bit, but basically this defines or, or frames my story quite a bit that I went from this, um, let's call it spiritual beginnings then uh, through like really spiraling down to something that I would call the psychiatric condition because this is where I was at the point at that point with my spirituality, so just pure 3D, and then just going back according to my resonance and what I was ready for. Wow, Marta, I can relate to so much of your story. And hearing this is so, it's bringing up so much for me. Like, I really appreciate your sharing. Um, and it's so interesting, because what was coming up for me as you were telling your story is I was thinking about how um, terms like schizophrenic and bipolar are used to describe just states of being or conditions, and they are considered mental health conditions. They also can be considered spiritual conditions in our like Western culture. Um, but um, perhaps your Slavic ancestors or you know whomever, like the people of our past, like would have just seen this as a state of being. Like perhaps we were seen as as witches or shamans or, or medicine beings, you know, these different types of multidimensional beings. And um, it's so stigmatized now. And I was just thinking, like, there is some uh, ability happening here, right? And it's just, it's stigmatized and it's so unfortunate. Um, but I totally agree that I think finding the right, the right therapist, the right doctor, the right medical professional is so important um it's so vital for each person's individual healing and i would just encourage those listening if you haven't found the right people to not give up um and i'm very curious about just being in germany what like the medical system is like there i know this is kind of a little bit off track of our flow but i'm just i'm curious about mm -hmm. um how you found like the right doctor, you, the right professionals. I know you said that you do like herbalism and that kind of thing. Um, but just um, so, yeah, so basically in Germany, I would say that first the stigma is quite uh, intense, I would say. Mm -hmm. And um, it also is also reflected then in the mental health systems. So uh, people don't talk much about it. It's really something um, shameful kind of to go to to a therapist, to go to a psychiatrist. But it's also, for example, if you have like anxiety, then it's quite easy for you to, to get a, a therapist and uh, like uh, that is paid by the insurance. And the, but then, if you actually have uh, like a heavier diagnosis that um, would suggest a longer treatment, you actually have to wait for quite a long time for that. And also, you, from as far as I know, um, maybe something has changed. Uh, you have you can change your psychiatrist or your therapist only four times. Wow. Hmm. And, yeah, and uh, 
I might be mis like something might have changed, but uh, this is when when I was uh, like digging into it, this is how it worked the procedure and and the people that uh, I talked to about it. So it was it's quite um, yeah, it's not very encouraging actually to look for hair and they even and to the point that they even have something in Germany what they call an official not not officially. Uh, a, a black mental health market or something like that because people are actually um, looking for therapists um, for example especially because they they like they like therapists or specialists that speak English or they can run therapists in English and obviously there are a lot of foreigners so then they and you are if you were uh, qualified or you you graduated in let's say the US or even in in, in, in a lot of other countries you are not qualified to be a therapist uh, in Germany and it of course it's not only Germany but just across uh, across Europe and uh, so, so those people have those uh, those private practices, and it's basically if you think of like private tutoring, when people give private class, so people give the private therapist without even having the the office, and uh, and it's just ridiculous to me, you know, that it's made so difficult to provide those or to to facilitate. And more sources of help while it takes so long to actually get your therapist and obviously if you want to get one that is private and and they have they uh, they office uh, then uh, who can afford it <laughs> practically practically definitely not like a long-term therapy even like one session is just so expensive so yeah it's definitely not it's definitely not um ideal and not much talk going on wow about it. yeah so it's definitely not like in the us i always say that's why i always wanted to do things in europe and also when i started my project it, it's kind of a struggle because we speak different languages and not everyone speaks english obviously and uh, yeah but uh, this is why i really wanted to to do this advocating work in Europe because we really need it. And it's not only Germany, it's, it's also, it, it's all the other countries. Uh, a little bit less in Italy, they have a completely different story. Mm, I don't know if there's any other country with such a story of uh, mental health as Italy. Um, they are special, definitely. It's a special country. Uh, wow. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for asking that question. We've been very curious about the differences. And so we appreciate you talking about from your cultural background, what that's like. I've never heard anything like that for time change for a psychiatrist. So thank you for sharing about that. Yeah, um, I'm not like 100% sure if it still like works like that. Uh, but uh, this is what this is what I read when I was uh, doing the research before that. If you ever have a person from Italy, invite them to the podcast and let them talk about uh, what happened in Italy in the 80s and the whole reformation and revolution, actually, of uh, uh, of mental health in there. That would be really interesting. Cool. Noted. 
Yeah, find someone from Instagram or something from Italy. That'd be sweet. Definitely. Um, um, I was wondering, I'm really happy that you shared in the way that you did about the planes, the planes of your healing, the levels of your healing. I was really getting a very strong image and understanding based on the way you were describing it and almost that there's different different healing modalities that you were willing to receive depending on which plane you were at. And that made a lot of sense. And I feel connected to that personally, mm -hmm. um, having journeyed through a more traditional clinical style healing with psychiatry and medication and therapy. And then I think, you know, at the time being almost unwilling to even accept that I was at that plane to want to be able to receive that and then be able to move into other planes and be able to access other forms of healing. Um, and I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. And I found it really fascinating the way you were describing when you were little that you saw these lights or had these experiences of these energies, but you weren't afraid then and that no one was no one was encouraging you to feel afraid when you were little. I found that part really powerful yeah. when you were describing that. Um, yeah. What was your was the question around the just around the planes? Um, my question would be to just come back to, I guess, where we're at now because it does sound like you've really journeyed through levels of your healing experience and being open to where you're at at that time, which like you're saying, Alex, like sometimes where we're at is that we respond to medication or traditional therapy. So I guess to just move us into the present, like where do you feel like, and thank you so much for your, the way that you've expanded upon your story, you know, throughout starting from the very beginning of your life. Um, it's very, it's very interesting to listen to that. So we really appreciate. So just to come back to the present, like where do you feel like you're at now with your healing in terms of like what level you're at? What are you doing personally maybe for your own like self-care or self-healing, like where you're at on your journey now? And like medicine work too. I mean, mm -hmm. just like how you heal yourself. Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, so I definitely have a lot of things to heal still, and I feel it now, and I actually do healing on myself every day as well, and these are things that I just neglected over the years that I was recovering from the, you know, the, the psychotic episodes because they were just like kind of secondary uh, at that time. So now it's all resurfacing and just kind of, um, I would call them like, tweaks maybe <laughs> to to my mental health and like social anxiety for example so i've been like digging into it a lot the way i um the way i interact with people um the way i react emotionally to people guilt shame and so on from the past so these are the things that i'm healing now that are still quite strong especially guilt and shame so that's been my recent work on myself when I actually worked on forgiving myself and uh, yeah, from the things that I did, especially during that time and when I was in this really, really dark space and uh, 
and over-medicated when um, to be able to function at all, I got really addicted to very strong, um, um, yeah, it doesn't matter the name <laughs> of it. It's like a sleeping pill, but uh, it's very strong. It's it's supposed to just knock you down and you take it in, in the, like extreme situations when you, you know, you can't take it anymore. But I was just taking it before going to work to be actually able to work. And yeah. I was combining that in the evening with a bottle of alcohol to be able to fall asleep at all. So obviously the damage that I did to my body, um, not only myself, but also the medication, because I also don't uh, want to see it this way that it was entirely my fault, right? It was also like, it was the situation that, um, and I took part in it. So it's half, half. <laughs> and, um, and also, you can imagine it also influenced my behavior. So I did a lot of things during that time that I'm not very proud of, mm -hmm. to put it delicately. And uh, so things like that is uh, what, what I'm healing in myself, mostly mm -hmm. trying to, or learning to accept myself, to forgive myself and, um, and stop self-stigmatizing and, uh, yeah. I think this is the level that everyone um, or most people that were ever diagnosed will probably have to go through as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think talking about these things is incredibly healing. I know this project, this podcast has been for me, it has been for Arielle to speak for you really quick because mm -hmm. we've talked about it. I know that both of us have felt a lot of um, lifting of past negative or quote-unquote negative um, emotions or experiences, emotions mm -hmm. tied to our experiences through just sharing. Um, guilt and shame are so interesting to work with. It sounds like you're just, you're doing a lot of inner work, like, like the real, yeah. the real stuff. And I think that's really, really crucial. Fear and shame are, or um, guilt and shame, I feel like are so interesting Mm -hmm. because they hide fear, right? Like underneath yeah. actually just fear, right? And so yeah, exactly. what do we do when we come to just that fear? Like how can we just like sit with it, widen it, allow it to be, feel it in our bodies? Um, yeah, I'm definitely, um, I have a lot of respect for you and for your process. Um, so Thank you. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that. Thank you, you very much. That. I'm glad you said that, Alex, about fear being at the root of guilt and shame. It really just struck a chord within my own life when you said that, like almost like hitting a chord of truth. And Marta, yeah. I'm really happy. Like with what you're describing, it's almost like the things I've been thinking about this lately as well. Like the original things that occur, and then the things that follow, and how these things get tangled up in our mind you know, like situations that we end up doing after the fact, um, the way that we engage with other people, choices we make that follow, things we do to impact, like you're talking about your body, how they impact our body, our mind, like the things that we end up doing that contribute more negatively to our healing, that now we're healing from that as well. And the guilt and shame piece, I feel like that, that correlates to like the interpersonal piece, like the way that we're with 
ourselves and what's going on within and then the way we're engaging with other people throughout what really is meant to be our healing process but then we're getting we get caught up in our situations with other people with the way we're being and then later we have these experiences of guilt and shame that we're also then unpacking it could be much later so you have like more to heal from <laughs> yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. to me um so Marta, we're curious to move into like the branches part of the interview um or the exchange i should say we're using the term exchange now mm -hmm. um oh and we can be clear too like the bridge to branches the bridge is our personal journey and our personal healing and where it has been broken and so just bringing that into repair and that's our bridge and our, our mental health is that space mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah so in terms of the branches you mentioned a little bit earlier kind of what you're doing now the different types of therapy that you do energy work and that kind of thing um i think it's so beautiful that your life experiences in particular focusing around your mental health have led you to this path that you're now on, you just seem like you're in such an expansive, vibrant place. And um, we're just, I think we're both just curious about more like the work that you're doing now in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, could you repeat like the work that, oh, that was now, the work that you're doing now in the world, like how you're branching out into the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, my message hasn't changed for a few years, like since I started the whole um, advocacy thing and project. Uh, it's that everyone should find their own path. So this is what I'm trying to really branch out, like really, really uh, widely and wildly. <laughs> um, I just want everyone to know uh, that they should find their uh, they own path and, that, and empower others that, um, so that they know that they have these healing powers. So this is both in my advocacy and this is both in my work as quantum healer because I'm not so, um, I'm not saying that it's like something wrong or anything, it's just my personal choice that when I do the sessions, I do like a deep like deep hypnosis but the belief work so to empower others so they find they know that they can heal themselves so they know that they know so that they discover that they know the answers and they actually know what to do next rather than just do the healing like partial healing and you know like just uh, help to heal one thing and then you know then there is the other then there is the other but rather guiding people to first to see how much they already know and how much they can and i really love this part when people are just so surprised you know like oh my god you know, i didn't know that i knew that you know and they always say that it empowers them so much so this is my like this is my dream so everyone knows that they actually have this power to heal themselves, to find, and and that they know that whatever path they choose, this is the right path because it will always lead them to to they recovery as long as they take action. Like there is, uh, it it can be a bit longer. Like for me, it took me seven years to recover. It was a long way, and I had a lot of resistance. And there are people 
who are fine after a week or two. It's just they just need one like kind of a trigger and they and, and everything just goes away and they're free. So every every path is the right one and this is all what my work is about. I just want to like help people to guide people or teach people how they can heal themselves, that they have this power and that they can uh, that they should look for guidance, not for ready solution, not for orders. This is why I sometimes just really lose my composure and uh, maybe post something that is a bit filled with anger when I hear uh, people like psychiatrists, only any, any people with this um, position of authority when they dare to tell people you will never recover or you have to give up your dreams. I was also told, I was told the same as many people uh, did that I would never recover, that I would have to take medication for the rest of my life to uh, to live at all, to be able to function at all. Actually, it made me, it was gradually making me dysfunctional to the point that I wanted to end my life. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not, this is not like to say that people should give up their medication. It's what I said before, if medication is, is helping you, if this is part of your path, perfect, go and like, go for it, right? It doesn't matter. Like there is no path that is wrong. Like every path will lead you to recovery as long as this path entails an action and not just, uh, not just listening and doing what others is telling us, just taking it and evaluating it, assessing it, how it resonates. If it doesn't, if it just doesn't feel right, why it doesn't feel right? Maybe it doesn't feel right because this is the right path, or maybe it doesn't feel right because it's limiting me. If something is limiting me, this is not the right path. And so this is what my work is about. Totally. Wow, what a beautiful ethos um, to have. It just reminds me of kind of the quote, it's not even a quote, but just the, the phrase, you are the medicine, like we are all our own medicine, right? Like we all have that within ourselves. And just like we find our way to unwellness, we can put the pieces back together and find our way back to wellness. I think it just a lot depends on like you're saying, like finding the right guides along the way and um it sounds like you're one of them so mm -hmm. thank you and i just want to say i i feel like it's very respectful the way you're speaking about the healing process you know the different levels and where people are at and i just really appreciate the level of respect that you're offering and i think that what's coming out of your life probably helps people feel really free and as well as empowered and um i really appreciate that and you seem very encouraged and empowered yourself when you talk about the work that you're doing and what you've seen with what while you're working with people there's a joy that's coming out of your life that's very clear and so i yeah. think that in itself would be very encouraging to to be with as a healer you know as someone coming to you as a healer as a healer of themselves as a healer of themselves <laughs> yeah and <they're, laughs> There was something earlier you mentioned about self-stigmatizing and like taking that away. And I, I'm really appreciative that you said that. And it made me think about self-labeling, like what we do in our head. And especially once we bring in things like shame 
where we're really making ourselves into this and we have to be this and stay as this. And that can be, my experience of that has been, I would lock myself into that mental position and then I would allow myself to keep behaving in this way because I have locked that label into place in my mind. So yeah. I feel like that type of self-labeling along with self-stigmatizing is something that you're probably helping people to uproot naturally as you're doing the work that you're doing. And that's so powerful. That's, that's life-changing. Yeah, this is the, the way you said it. It's just, um, yeah, it just makes it so clear. This is one of our biggest blocks or, or resistance that we create and uh, why, why we can't recover is the self-labeling. As you said, that it just makes us take a certain action or path because we put it in our minds that we have to act that way. And it often comes also from how others see us, right? It's like similar as I told you that I did a lot of things that I'm uh, not very proud of or, or like really ashamed of uh, in, in the past uh, when I was mixing medication with alcohol and so on. Um, so it's I it was like eight, nine years ago, and I rarely go back to the place and meet the same people. But when I do, I can feel like, uh, like a completely, like as if there was kind of a, um, I don't know, like a phantom me that tried to, you know, like make me act the way th those people knew me, like f for the, because they expect me to, think that way or act that way. And it's really like, whoa, you know, like <laughs> kind wow. of a kind of a fight. No, this is like this is not me. And obviously what what I hear and I guess it happens to others this way, it's like, oh you changed, you know, you left and now you change. Even though I changed for the better, I'm sure. Um, but people are often not happy seeing people they used to know as uh, someone else in and that's create that creates that pressure that also starts so that's why feeling so empowered and and free and knowing that all the power is in us is so important in my opinion when we um when we want to recover so that we are really able to be our true selves regardless of our surroundings and people around us definitely definitely I think it's important to remember that we are the most important person in our lives, right? Like I am the most important person in my life and I, my healing is paramount. My healing should come first. That's the only way I'm going to be of benefit to the world and be able to help anyone else. So forget the naysayers and anyone who says anything about anything that has to do with where I've been or what I've been through or what their perception of me is like, that doesn't like my healing is what matters. And mm -hmm. I think that, it does everyone well, or would do everyone well to kind of remember that. So thank you for that reminder. Um, yeah. yeah, it turns it turns people's worlds upside down when you like don't show up the way that yeah. you're going to or that you did in the past. So. Yeah, it was so eerie when you were describing that phantom image. Like I felt kind of like a wave of energy, like almost the way that you described it. I really understand that. I'm I'm sure that you connect with that as well. Um, and we've definitely had conversations about that 
social experience of returning to the place where this phantom, I'm almost imagining it's like a ghost. There's like a version of us that's there and it's still existing interpersonally with the people that we created that reality with. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. It kind of leads me, it's helped me a lot, um, particularly like the people I feel like that phantom or that ghost, it's almost like a version of myself that's no longer living, but still in memory. It exists somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's mostly with the people that care about me the most, that love me the most, that I love the most, that I felt the most comfortable with, my family, my closest friends maybe, my partner. You know, I felt the safest to do this. So that's why I did it with them. So it leads me just straight, a direct route to compassion, you know, in these moments because it's so difficult for me to transform that moment because we're all used to this way of me being or of us being. Really, it becomes an us. It becomes an us. It's a it's an experience of one person, but really, it's we. It becomes we yeah. become that. We we are playing out this same dynamic. It could be yeah, two yeah. of us, three, five. So it just it kind of has heightened my sense of compassion for myself. You know, in those moments when I wasn't able to be different, and also for the other people who maybe aren't ready to recognize that this ghost, that this is a ghost now. This is a phantom now, and not not happening now, even though it's like an echo. It seems like we're yeah, going to yeah. it again and again, but that's why I feel like time is a component of healing. I feel like with time, we can imprint a new version that's caught up to yeah. now. Marta, is there anything else you'd like to share in terms of um, um, kind of just a, your general um, a mission or um, statement that you'd like to to share in any way before we wrap up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a message. Yeah, so I think that um, maybe a bit repeating myself, but I, I, I find it very important. Just I want everyone uh, to know and to remember that whatever path they take is it's it's just they and only their path and it's sacred in a way to them it doesn't matter even even if it's medication because a lot of people especially those who work with energies or were like uh, card readers and they got diagnosed and they got into this dark place and they are scared of uh of taking medication or even going to a psychiatrist because, or, or therapist because they think that they will lose the, the psychic, the spiritual part of it. Mm -hmm. So what, from my experience, is just not possible. It's like we are all multidimensional beings always, and we just jump from one dimension to the other, from one plane to the other. So just trusting the process and trusting the flow of life. If life throws us on a certain dimension, let's say it's a this three dimension, and we just need to ground with like a 3D therapist who doesn't want to even hear about energies. Maybe this is the place for us to ground and, and, and then go farther. It's like we are here for a reason and we have resources here as well on Earth. Right. Yeah. We have like we have herbs, we have medication, we have psychiatrists, we have uh, doctors, we have medicine like traditional medicine, and we have uh, 
alternative medicine. These are all resources that we have here, and we should always appreciate all of them and not try to see one as inferior or superior. So just appreciate and like feel the abundance of the ways that we can choose to, to recover. This is a short guided meditation from Marta. It uses visualization as a quick pocket tool for catching and transforming heavy thoughts. Marta believes that consistent daily acknowledgement of our negative patterns helps to transform them so that we can be sure we are walking our path of purpose and fun. Have you ever noticed how tiny a thought seems? when you look at the vast sky. Notice how vast it is. Notice how soft and light it seems. In fact, this vastness is infinite and in its infinite wisdom, lightness and softness, it can absorb and transform your thought when you send your little thought into this vastness. Would it not feel so light to just observe what is becoming of your little thought? There is no hurry. Feel it, see it or hear it transforming into a different thought, into another feeling that feels so good. Let the sky transform it and you observe your thought being transformed. You observe the thought being transformed. It feels so good to trust. Welcome this new thought completed with a new feeling. This new way of thinking, this new feeling fills every cell of your body and the whole space around you. Take your time to see, feel, and hear your refreshed space. And when you are ready, slide back into your day, you beautiful light being. Mental health experiences affect us all. If you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please call or share the following number. 1-800-273-8255. You must not count too much on your reality as you feel it today, since like yesterday, it may prove an illusion for you tomorrow.
Luigi Pirodello. Thank you to our listeners, our guests, our family and friends, and all who are with us on this journey. Thank you to Ayla Mario for the use of your beautiful song. We hope you have found a piece of your healing journey with us through this episode and that you continue to carry on with strength and hope. Remember, your life is precious. Thank you.